Hi, everyone, and welcome to the AI Innovators Podcast. I'm Rob May, your host. I'm the CEO of BrandGuard and a very active AI angel investor. This podcast interviews people who are working on applied AI, whether it's investors or executives at large tech companies, entrepreneurs. My guest today is from the company Anyway, which is A-N-Y-W.ai, if you want to look it up. And uh, it's the founder and CEO, Manuel Zahariev. Manuel, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Rob. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about what you guys are doing because it's it's one of those things that, that we've seen people start to start to use LLMs for a lot of things that a lot of use cases that weren't anticipated. And, and I think you fall into that category. So I want to start by talking about what you do and tying that into the LLM wave. So, so, so can you explain to us sort of the premise of the company and how can you do what you do, given that, you know, uh, with this latest wave of technology compared to maybe trying to start this company five years ago? Yeah, great question. Anyway, reads millions of reviews so that you don't have to. Uh, our target is uh, very much the business user. So we're not selling like an API endpoint that data scientists will tie into uh, behind the scenes. Uh, we're selling like a fully packaged business solution for the product manager, UX manager, insight manager. And we're providing it out of the box, so they don't need to do anything. So, you know, it's not like they need to engage uh, their IT to do whatever stuff, give us access to their data. We're giving them actionable and quantitative packaged feedback from their users. Uh, what that means is imagine you get like a million reviews per year from, from your mobile app, for instance. We're giving you actionable feedback every month on things that you should be watch, watching for, things that are new, what has changed, and so on and so forth. And we give you a really good dashboard as well, but smoking fast, by the way, uh, that uh, will allow you to drill down and, and figure out some regularities on your own. Now, the second part of the question is really, really good. So uh, in the old days, uh, quite frankly, in the old days, five years ago, this wouldn't have been possible like the way that we're, we're doing it right now. And, you know, like, hey, Stone Age, you had a few choices. You could do like a bag of words model or, or you could enhance it with concepts. The trouble was you were hitting some performance limitations, right? So uh, if it was bag of words, uh, you know, words have ambiguity. If you added concepts to them, actually many, many, many times, uh, uh, you know, your performance would decrease. Circa 2010, the hottest thing was uh, ensemble uh, uh, models. But even those were, were like grill and, uh, you know, fundamentally you needed one for every, uh, every different domain that you would, you would be doing. And for every one, you would need a whole new labeled corpus, uh, which is a quite, quite a substantial uh, challenge, right? So uh, I think, you know, like where we're at today, where you get like with Birch, for instance, you get Wikipedia plus the book corpus all in a box. Oh, not only that, it's inexpensive to tune. So this is like, you know, science fiction. So it's, it's awesome. It's an awesome time to, to be looking at text analytics uh, fundamentally. So tell us a little bit about how the underlying technology works and, and what's the biggest problem you have to solve in the next phase of the company to make it better? Like how reliant are you are uh, on LLMs? How much, how much stuff do you have that's, you know, that's, that's proprietary that sits above that? And, you know, are you, are you looking for the LLMs to get better or you guys have other problems that you need to solve to make this better? What's, what's the status? Yeah. So what we do is actually we build clusters uh, around good quality statements from actual users. So imagine you have like 100,000 reviews. 
uh, we identified good quality statements uh, in those reviews based on a, on a, uh, on a ranking, a quality ranking, and uh, we built clusters around them. This is all done on top of BERT uh, and uh, in a collaboration with IBM. Uh, by the way, shout out to our friends at IBM Research in case they're listening. <laughs> on top of that, we build, because uh, we've transitioned the reviews from unstructured text at this point in time into quantitative metrics. And we're able to run what I'm calling data science as software as a service, things like classical statistics, uh, machine learning, text analytics, like, like deeper text analytics and visualization. Uh, all of it out of the box. Now, how is this different from state of the art? State of the art, I'm going to say, is like twofold. Like, you know, text analytics is not new in, in B2B. It's been around for maybe in, in a successful way for maybe almost 10 years. And uh, there's three things that they that were doable. So first off, uh, sentiment analysis, key phrase identification, so you know, like word clouds, and also to some extent taxonomy. Now taxonomy is like a whole other topic. I think Rob, we probably need a whole podcast just on that. <laughs> but yeah. you know, like sentiment analysis is not great. Also, sentiment analysis is not very useful, right? So you you look at if you have like a, a rating, another quantitative metric. And you plot that on top of sentiment, you'll see that sent- the sentiment signal is follows like the rating really, really closely, only it's less, less precise, right? So this was state-of-the-art circa 2015. Since then, like something very excited started to happen with these large, large models. Two of the underlying applications of these models are clustering and summarization. And you can probably get this from a variety of different models. And like summarization, the, you know, like the generation capability is, you know, what people get really excited about with ChatGPT, right? Now, what is the challenge in that for specifically for business applications? And actually, I'm going to say that there's two. First off, these clusters, if you look at them, you know, let's say a data scientist, you look at the results of a classifier, these clusters, you can tell that they're machine generated. They're, they're imperfect, right? Now, that's not like a big challenge because there's potentially a lot of elements in the cluster and some of them may be okay, some of them not. But the summarization also, I've seen a lot of these, right? And the summarization, it reads like it was written by by a computer. You know how you look at some of these messages, I get them sometimes. I mean, this is generated by ChatGPT for sure. What we do that's very, very different, we actually, because we seed these clusters with statements from users, it's like something that an actual person said, which is very, very striking. Um, now, there's another element into this. The, the These clustering and summarization algorithms, it depends, I guess, but they're not like out of the box really good in analyzing stuff over time. So they're not, you know, like continuously applicable, right? Whereas for us, our clusters are stable are stable over time, and maybe there's like a, a better quality statement that will replace one from, let's say, September uh, in October. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're, they're robust, uh, which is which is really good. Uh, it's, it's great from a business application point of view, because let's say you want to show a business user a summary for s- September and against it a summary for, for October. If they don't have anything in common, then it's the, the the output is not very useful. Am I making sense? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Now, uh, I want to say there's some of the difficulties. Now, we're going to market clearly with a with a product that is like laser targeted app store reviews, right? 
App Store reviews is domain we understand well. We've looked at reviews from, from different domains. Yeah, it's doable, right? However, as we grow, we're going to hit domain-specific tuning that that'll be, will be necessary, specifically in, in financial, let's say, financial versus gaming language is very different, right? And uh, also, the, if you look at things that other than reviews, right? So let's say you look at, uh, you know, like feedback, website feedback or things like, you know, net promoter responses or uh, even harder stuff like transcripts from a call center, right? So the domain-specific tuning becomes much and much uh, more of a requirement. Now, with current large language models, tuning is doable and it's pretty cheap too, right? The main issue is access to to training data. And, uh, you know, like with unlabeled data, you could do a lot. But with labeled data is where you're going to be able to to increase your your performance on the domain. And those are both expensive. Now, I'm going to put both of these issues into the category of, you know, like long tail, right? So obviously, we're going to approach some of the more promising verticals where we can create a bank with limited resources. And we're going to progress towards, you know, like less and less frequent or, or juicy verticals, which is, you know, hey, it's look at look at where your customers are fundamentally. The second issue is classification. I'm coming back to taxonomy. Classification is a lot more performant in the age of LLMs. However, you still need quality label data sets, right? You won't be able to do classification in a taxonomy of one of your customers (laughs) unsupervised, right? So then these quality label data sets are, again, a, you know, like some cost right away. And not only that, they're, they're, you know, domain specific, like for the model itself, but they're company specific, right? So, and I've seen some of these, these taxonomies that were very cool. Like, you know, in a, in a gaming scenario, we had, this is one of the most surprising ones that I've seen, where you had rewards. And it, within the category of rewards, there were animals. And I'm going to let you, uh, you know, like create hypotheses for what uh, gaming company this was, but uh, it's pretty cool, right? So to, to predict that untrained, unsupervised is impossible. Yeah. So so one of the complaints about LLMs and using them to do stuff like this is that some of the data sets are dated and missing fresh information. So does this matter for you, given the, the data sources that you talked about? Like, are you, are you pulling these sort of secondhand out of the LLM? Or are you ingesting these sort of fresh on your own? And, or, you know, do you have ways around that? Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, funny. My answer to this question is we're not affected in our MVP. And fundamentally, because we're not exposing the user to generated text, right? So we won't be in a situation like where you where you prompt ChatGPT and you're getting something that is not applicable because like language has changed in the last year or so, right? So uh, we don't have that. We prompt, we give back to the user, to the customer, things that are statements in the words of their users, right? So those there's no there's no timely element to that. The only thing that this affects is the quality of the clusters, right? But the quality of the cluster is a much, much harder metric for customers to look at, right? So the the, the fact that you see one of these statements by by actually written by a human makes like a, a really like like visceral connection in in what I've seen talking to uh, to potential customers. 
So, uh, you know, the customer sees text that's written by a human and it's like, you know, quantified product actions in the words of users. It's pretty, pretty nice, I think. So, yeah. Interesting. So one of the things that I talk to a lot of AI companies about, one of the things I've seen in a lot of the companies I've invested in is that AI is often hard to sell because people don't understand what it's really capable of. I'm just curious, like, do you see skepticism in your go-to-market process around like people's ability to believe you can do this or do this at the scale that you do? And, and if so, how do you get around it? I'll, I'll be honest with you, I don't. This is based on maybe I'm going to say a data, data set of like 150. Uh, so this is my sample, the one that I'm talking about. People that I've talked to, right? Uh, you know, like either potential buyers or people around potential buyers, right? Out of those, you know, like we're, we're lucky because first of all, the capability, this capability that we, we have do, does not exist in the wild today, right? And uh, also shows magical in demos, right? Now, I've done a few of these where I took the data set of the user. Because, by the way, you know, you can, you can download uh, from an RSS feed app store reviews for any app, right? They're clearly copyrighted by, by Apple. But in demos, they show magical, right? So the scenario where I have one particular company in mind in which we, I looked at uh, the reviews for February versus March, and I showed them that they fixed the bug in March. And, you know, like, I didn't do anything. I just, you know, ran it through the model, built, showed them the dashboard. And, wow, this thing came up. Uh, and it was significant, too, because, you know, we looked at March versus versus February. And it was significant r- running uh, chi-square, right? They're like, oh, yeah, we did. It's It's fabulous. So, in other words... We're not selling an abstract technology to potentially folks in the data science team in which we explain how great, you know, how performant and you know, accuracy, things like precision recall type of things. We're showing actual results that the, the people that I'm talking to on the buyer side can directly relate to. By the way, it's not all rosy, right? Because, you know, you know, startup is a startup, right? Our main hurdle is getting our first customer logos. We have a number of active discussions. Some of them are actually, my opinion, ready to pop. If any of you <laughs> who are listening to this po- podcast, you know who you are. Let's make it happen. <laughs> yeah, well, it's part, it's part of why I like to do these podcasts because I think a lot of times there's so many startups out there and you know, larger companies don't always know who's there and and what they can take advantage of. And particularly with this AI explosion, there's just so many new products. And you really have to, if you're a big company, you have to be dipping your toe in that water and trying some of this stuff out and figuring out what you should use and how you should integrate them into your systems. Because if you, you know, if you, if you wait five years for all this to settle in, you're going to be too far behind. Yep. Yep. You're right. Sounds like you have an interesting technology stack, but like what's, what's one technical problem that you aren't working on that you wish someone would solve to, to make your life in any way easier? Because I, you, there are a lot of entrepreneurs that are, and people that would like to start companies that are listening to this. So I, I'm always looking for, for new ideas and, and to sort of categorize and, and catalog like, oh, here's, here's issues we wish somebody would solve. Yeah. Well, listen, there's a lot. So uh, how about this? I'll go into three categories. On one hand, I think domain pre-tuned large language models, which, by the way, requires domain-specific corpora, which, my, my opinion, that's where the bottleneck really is, right? So how are you going to get, like, financial language or, you know, gaming language in the public domain to build a domain-tuned LLM? But uh, if somebody has a silver bullet to that, 
I think it's going to really make things a lot easier. And actually, it's going to make the quality of solutions a lot better. That's that's one. The second one, I'm, I'm going to put in the category of tooling. Tooling right now for, for large, large language models and for, for language technology in general, it's pretty awesome, right? So remember how it was like 10 years ago, right? Stone Age, right? There's a, a lot of companies who, who like, you know, they're, they're packaging every aspect of it, right? So training, results, evaluating in the wild, every deployment, pretty sweet. Now, one of the things that's missing, in my opinion, is you need to make this commitment uh, up front to one specific large language model. Then you wait for another version of it. Uh, maybe it comes, maybe it doesn't. When it comes, chances are it's going to come with different capabilities, and you're going to actually need to adapt your application to the to the new one. So in, in other words, if you need 2024 language for your application, you're going to need to adapt your application to whatever came in, in the model. So here's a science fiction scenario. And if you're like a user of Ubuntu, you'll appreciate this really well. Like Ubuntu long-term release, imagine something like that for BERT or Open Llama, right? Something that was upgrading on, on, on increased corpora, uh, larger corpora, but ma- maintain the capability of the one that you committed to. So you could do something like pseudo apt and uh, BERT and boom, it'll come and it'll keep on running, it'll be awesome. And uh, your customers will be happy because the language is still contemporary. The last one, and uh, probably the one that people can do the smallest amount of, you know, it's almost like a, a market issue, right? And I'm not sure if you're finding this too, Rob. Availability of cloud GPUs is not awesome. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, I've never in, in my career have been in a situation where, you know, I requested resources, you know, like, like through, a, through the API or, or you know, to the UI, and you're like, oh, you're not getting them. But not in this cloud center, right? It feels like it's almost like this craze uh, similar with what we had a few years ago with cryptocurrencies. Everybody's like ganging up on these GPUs. Now, the good news is there's a lot of, you know, very smart people on it. There's competition coming too. So it's not going to be just one game in town it seems you know i'm hoping that this problem will be will be cracked in a year or two or in a scenario that can make a difference to to folks like us right gotcha well that's that's awesome i there's one question that i like to end on it's it's not directly related to the business and that's just because you know we interview a lot of people who have done a lot of interesting stuff in their careers a lot of young people and entrepreneurs listen to the podcast so i'm curious what's what's one piece of advice that you you know have learned or read or, or somebody, you know, taught you along the way that you think has been really valuable to your career and that you'd like to share with, with the people that are listening? Well, listen, how about this? Do what you love. <laughs> now, so a little bit background by me, about me. Uh, I worked in the software industry for about six years, building business applications and decided to go do a, a grad degree uh, after that, right? It was one of the best decisions in my life. Now, the reason... I decided to do this grad degree was primarily for entertainment purposes, because <laughs> uh, you know, like in, in in business applications, you you end up in in a place where you're not hitting some of some of the hard hard problems, right? So it's very repetitive. It becomes very repetitive. Requirements design, implementation, testing, kind of thing, right? So uh, I figured, you know what? Uh, natural language processing is one of the hardest problems in computer science. By the way, my opinion, it still is. But listen, it's so easy to formulate, right? So it's totally like language competency of a teenager is like 
awesome, right? And yet it's so hard to build, build these systems that do this stuff, right? My take is software by, by itself is like awesome. It's like, you know, a pleasure to do it. You wake up and uh, you have something new every day. Uh, we're also like a privileged generation where these solutions to very, very hard problems that, you know, humanity has been incapable to approach so far, they're within reach, right? Uh, it's almost like the magical is coming in, into play. Even better, actually, this new domain, AI, you know, can go either way, can be a blessing or can be a curse. Actually, <laughs> probably both. <laughs> yeah. But we're at this awesome moment right now where the future hasn't happened yet, right? The future is full of possibility. We can imagine it right now before happening. So my take is do what you love and go do it. Awesome. Well, that's a great comment to end on. Manuel, thank you for being on the podcast. And for those of you who are listening, if you want to learn more, you can go to anyway at anyw.ai.